covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. We are referring to this as the Christian Yelich contract extension edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That is a very uh, long thing to say. But obviously, uh, the big news this past week, some of the biggest news, quite honestly, in the history of the organization, when you think about uh, the top players to ever play for the Brewers and how long that their careers last with the Brewers, uh, Christian Yelich is going to play the vast majority of his career in Milwaukee. And there is a possibility that he is now going to finish his career in Milwaukee. A very good possibility that that is going to happen. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that here on the podcast today. Let's get our normal housekeeping items out of the way at the top of the podcast. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also, if you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast, I uh, would encourage you to leave a ranking and review and also subscribe to the podcast. That would be fantastic. If you don't listen on Apple Podcast, maybe you listen on Stitcher, you just go to WTMJ.com. That's fine. You don't have to do anything. Not that you have to do anything if you listen on Apple Podcast, but we'd appreciate uh, the ranking and review. And also... A special hello to everybody who is listening right now on 540 ESPN as this is part of the uh, Doug Russell uh, Pod Center that he puts together, generally running uh, a couple times over the course of the week. And uh, if you don't know what this is, it is uh, built as a podcast, and you can find it again on all the podcasting platforms and also at WTMJ.com. All right, so we learned this past week that Christian Yelich had signed the contract extension with the team, uh, keeping him as a member of the Brewers for nine years. No opt-outs for him, so he is locked in. At the same time, there is uh, no full no-trade protection, so the Brewers are unable to trade him away. So everything makes it look like this is, uh, this is as set in stone as much as just about any contract can be in terms of a team spin- or a player spending uh, the entire duration of the contract. I guess there's scenarios where you look to trade somebody and they waive the no trade and that all sort of st- all that sort of stuff. But right now, as it sits, it is built for Christian Yelich to be a long-term brewer and, in all likelihood, finish out his career. He took a lot less money. He took a lot less money. And I've said this a lot. I and I've said this on this podcast. You know, we, we've talked about the idea of Christian Yelich getting his contract extended. I always thought the the avenue to get it done was to basically buy out the years that were left on his contract, give him more money in those years where you didn't have to do that, and then maybe you could give him a little bit less money on the backside. That's always why I kind of felt like a deal was going to get done because he was going to be so underpaid here over these next couple seasons. I was wrong. It didn't play out that way. The Brewers did not give him any extra money here over the next two seasons. He's still going to make what he was scheduled to make. Now, he had signed that deal with the Marlins initially, and uh, some people kind of look twice when he signed that deal. It was a very team-friendly deal. And don't forget, the contract that he signed with the Marlins was part of why 
it took so much to acquire him in the first place. And I know you look at the package of players that the Marlins got for him, highlighted by Lewis Brinson, and maybe that group of players has not performed to the level that they were expected to perform, most most notably Lewis Brinson, who has yet to really get it together. But at the time, and we, we do it every year on the anniversary of the Yelich trade, we go look at the tweet that was sent out by the Brewers, and then we go look at all the immediate responses about how this is a horrible trade and you shouldn't do it. And it's just it's it's comical. It's funny uh, when we go when we go see that as people were wrong. And look, I'm wrong about stuff all the time. It's just funny to see people being that wrong about something that has turned into such a good thing for the Brewers. But part of his value when they acquired him was the financial terms that the Brewers were going to get him for. And kind of ripping that up seemed like an opportunity to extend him, and the Brewers did not have to do that. Now, because that contract was in place and eventually his free agency years were going to come up you know at a point age-wise where maybe there would have been some hesitation from some teams and how much money they wanted to give a player on a long-term deal where that long-term deal is going to go into the late 30s maybe he doesn't make as much money as you would think he was going to make but no, no matter how you spin it he took a discount he took a, a significant discount to stay uh, with the Brewers and it's a really cool story that a guy like him able to, you know, no, not a Midwest guy. He's a California guy. He had played um, in Miami. Like there, there was nothing really connecting him to uh, the organization from a, from a regional standpoint, from anything. And he gets there, and he, he has said it over and over and over, and he said it again in the press conference this past week, that it doesn't feel like it's only been two years that he's been with the Brewers. It feels like he has been with the team much, much, much longer. And it's just been a great fit. And sometimes the thing that you want to do as a ball player is find the fit. Find where it works for you. And he has found where it worked for him. He loves the organization. I think a lot of people have gotten to a point where you, you look at the way Craig Council manages this club, you look at the way the culture has been set, and it's a very comfortable it's a very comfortable place to be. It's a very comfortable clubhouse to walk into. That doesn't mean that people are not held to a high standard. They absolutely are. But it's a very comfortable place to be a professional ball player. And Yelich recognized that. The fan support. I, I think the fans deserve credit for this. The fact that uh, the Brewers have one of the best fan bases in the country, just in the sense that this is one of the smallest markets, smallest market in baseball, and you, you're drawing close to 3 million people on an annual basis. Like That doesn't go unnoticed. And just the the Midwestern sensibilities, the, the comfort level that goes uh, with playing in a city like Milwaukee. There's a lot of things that went into this, but it was a, it was a great week for the organization that Christian Yelich was able to uh, sign his deal. And going forward, for me, one of the most important things, I'm really intrigued now by what future off-seasons are going to look like for the Brewers. I don't, I don't know if what I'm about to say is true, I have a hard time believing it's not. The Brewers wanted to bring back Yasmani Grandal. They absolutely wanted to bring back Grandal. Uh, we've heard some people in the organization kind of say, that's the guy who got away. That's the one That's the one guy they wanted to have back. And from a financial standpoint, it just didn't make sense. Uh, Grandal has said that before he signed the deal with the White Sox, essentially he kind of 
talked to the Brewers and said, hey, this is what the White Sox are offering me. Are, can, we, can we get in that neighborhood? And the Brewers said no. For me, I, I openly wonder, when, when that's happening, as an organization, are the Brewers saying, well, we could bring Grandall back at this number, but does this preclude us from potentially signing Christian Yelich to a long-term deal? And I, I have to believe that that sort of thought process was existing in many different decisions that they were making. Yeah, we can sign this guy to this contract, but how does this impact our ability to sign Christian Yelich? Not knowing at that point in time how much money it would actually take to sign Yelich. Now you know. Christian Yelich is going to be a very large percentage of the Brewers' payroll moving forward. But you know what that number is. You know where that fits in the overall financial structure of the organization. So now when you're making decisions, whether it's decisions during this season on potential trades and trades that require you to bring on payroll or off-seasons moving forward where you're making free agent decisions, you now have a much clearer picture of the organization's financial standpoint and, and what they have allocated to different places. And look, Yelich isn't signing this deal if he doesn't believe that the Brewers are going to continue to put good players around him. And the Brewers aren't going to spend this money with the idea that a, a contending window is going to close before the Yelich contract is up. The idea here is to win baseball games. The idea here is to be in the playoffs. The idea here is to potentially win a championship. That's the idea here. And we'll, we'll, all we can do is sit back and see how it plays out. But that was the idea with all this. All right. So, uh, again, coming up uh, this week, we're going to talk. Uh, we've got a uh, first-time guest on the podcast this week as uh, he's doing something now that allows us to uh, – to, to I don't know, rationalize is the wrong word, but he's doing something now that allows us to uh, bring him on. Uh, Kurt Hogue, who is a big part of Brewers Twitter, and uh, he had previously done stuff with uh, Brewers.com and MLB.com. He's part of the Journal Sentinel and their uh, prep sports coverage. He's got a new uh, Brewers-centric uh, newsletter that he's putting out. So uh, with that, we are going to get Kurt on coming up in just a few moments or so. So stick with us. This is Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extremes, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We have a first-time guest on the podcast. The longer we've been doing this, the fewer and fewer first-time guests that we get on. Uh, but we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the podcast. Uh, for folks who uh, follow Brewers Twitter... He was most involved uh, starting when he was uh, working with uh, MLB.com and Brewers.com. Uh, he now works for the Journal Sentinel covering high school sports, but he also has uh, his little space of the internet. He's got his newsletter, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. It is uh, Kurt Hogue who uh, joins us. Uh, Kurt, really appreciate you taking a moment. How are you? 
I am doing splendid. The weather in Wisconsin is nice, so I'm in a good mood. How are you? I am good. All right, so let's, uh, this is brand new, and it's cool, and you've got some connections to uh, the state of Minnesota, and you and some folks who are out there have put together kind of a, a Brewers Twins newsletter called Rich People Conversations, which might confuse people at the uh, at the outset. Before we even get anything, tell folks about what you're doing right now, Brewers Related. Yeah, so um, so I knew a couple guys from Minnesota, and we were kind of joking about starting a newsletter. Um, kind of had an itch to learn about baseball like we had all done in the past, because now I, I mostly do high school, I'm almost exclusively do high school sports for the JF, but we had that itch to about baseball, so we are like, well, why don't we start the, Brew- the world's only Brewers and Twins newsletter? So um, that's what we do. It's called Rich People Conversations. Um, the URL, if anyone's interested, got to plug it. Is brewersandtwins.substack.com. Uh, you can subscribe for free, get it in your inbox every week during spring training, and then I guess more than that, once there's actual games to talk about. So it's a lot of fun. Um, at the end of the pod, at the end of the podcast, we'll revisit and explain the the title of it. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But yeah, uh, make them hang on. Yes, there's a, there's a tease to make sure nobody goes anywhere as we continue to talk. This this podcast is pretty much the Christian Yelich contract extension edition uh, of Brewers Extra Innings. So I'll just start you with this: What was your initial reaction when not only did you hear the deal, but when you heard the financial terms that went along with it? So my my initial reaction was a bit of, I was a bit surprised. I think a lot of a lot of people that follow the Brewers and around the Brewers um, were, were a bit surprised. I think there was some thought that the Brewers weren't going to be able to keep Yelich on a con pay. Not that they wouldn't be able to pay him in terms of having the money, but they wouldn't be able to strike a deal in which they were comfortable paying him what he was worth and what he wanted. And I think uh, in the end, it actually worked out incredibly well for both sides, um, which which is something I'm sure we'll, we'll get to. But, you know, with Yelich having three more years with the Brewers before he would have even been a free agent, there's no guarantee at all in there that he would have gotten the lucrative deal that, you know, he would have gotten this offseason. And on the Brewers' side of it, you keep – that has a pretty good chance of being a Hall of Famer and will have his jersey retired at Miller Park, but yes, that's going to be and Sam Fields. So, um, so, so a, a bit of surprise, but I think once the details came out, it started to make sense. I'll tell you, the the one thing that surprised me, I always thought if they were going to get a Yelich contract done, what the, the path to getting there was maybe ripping up what's remaining on the contract, giving him a raise that they didn't have to give to maybe get him to take a little bit less money on the back end. That's not what happened. He's still going to make the exact same amount of money that he was scheduled to make here over the next two seasons. Did that part of it surprise you at all? Uh, it was certainly creative uh, to do so. Um, the fact that they were able to keep his current deal and then Add on to it. I think it, it was a bit of a surprise, but I had no idea what to expect when uh, when, the, when the initial tweet from Ken Rosenthal came out. You know that they're nearing a contract extension, and they said it was nine years. So I'm thinking, okay, it's probably going to be nine years on top of what he already has, which I think would have been a little less exciting um, for the Brewers to to you know. It's still, it's still very much enjoy. They would have enjoyed having Christian Yelich, but you know, if you're adding nine years onto 
Um, the three, that's 12 years, and all of a sudden he's 40 years old at the end of the deal, and maybe that's a little less lucrative from the prover side of things. From a financial standpoint, he left a ton of money on the table. All you got to do is go look at the Mike Trout deal, the Manny Machado deal, the Bryce Harper deal, the, the Anthony Rendon deal, like, all these mega contracts that have been signed over the last couple of years, and then go s- compare it to, to Christian Yelich, who at the very least is in the same conversation with those guys, and at the worst is better than those guys. Uh, you could argue that he's leaving somewhere between 7 and $10 million per year on the table. That's a huge amount of money that maybe he could have gotten if he would have waited it out till free agency does yeah maybe a little bit of a hometown discount isn't that surprising but he the fact that he took that much less money it was that a surprise for you see it wasn't a huge surprise for me i do think the brewers still got away pretty well to pay him what average of 26 or 27 mil over the last uh last six years which is the last seven years which would be the you know the newer part of the deal which which after his current deal expires, um, would be those seven years. Um, but, but the thing is, there was no guarantee for him, so he he might have left money on the table. But there's no way to know that what kind of money was going to be on the table in three years um, right now. You'd like to think that in a couple of years, Christian Yelich is still going to be one of the best hitters in the game. But free agent contracts for hitters on the plus side of thirty aren't exactly the history of that isn't exactly super friendly for those guys and signing lucrative deals. That just doesn't happen to, you know, get the get the years and the, the, the average salary per year. So um, I, I would still lean, you know, that the Brewers did kind of get away with a little bit of a, a little bit of a bargain on it compared to just because, you know, if he was a free agent this offseason, he would have been getting three fifty million somewhere around that that ballpark. So um, Brewers did well, and Yelcher may have left some money on the table, but we don't know that, and he doesn't know that. And um, I think he, he he said something along the lines during the press conference that, you know, he's, he's still got a sizable chunk of change um, and is just happy to to have that security. It really is a, a remarkable thing that's happened over the past few years, and I mean we can we can talk Bucks and Giannis, we can talk Packers and and, and Rogers, but you look at these these athletes, and, and I think I think Giannis is going to sign the the Supermax and and be with the Bucks for a long time. I think the people who are talking out there about him signing with another team, I, I don't think they completely are in the know and what they what, what they're talking about. But again, back to the Brewers because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Yelich. It really is something that this team, this market. Uh, a team that not that long ago was not a super desirable place for players to be, all of a sudden you are getting one of these guys giving up the right to free agency to sign a long-term deal. Right. I think it's always been, I think you can have a difference between a desirable and enjoyable place for, for players to play in terms of like the physical location players have generally always liked playing baseball in Milwaukee, um, but then it being a desirable place in terms of the organization, the culture, the winning. Um, those are two. I, I think you can separate those two things. And now the Brewers seem to have have both going on, and, and the Bucks as well. I mean, while we're you know on that that same note, but you got those two together, and all of a sudden you got Christian Yelich on board, and it's a more desirable place 
to come for the next three, four years because they've got the core piece locked up. Who do you most give credit for that? Is it Craig Council? Is it is it David Stearns, Mark Antanasio? When you look at just the culture and what this organization has is, is morphed into here recently, who deserves the credit? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, you'd be remiss to not say it's it's largely David Stearns for bringing in the guys that have made made the Brewers competitive again. I mean, pulling the trigger on on the deals and the signings, um, which I guess the signings also and, and the trades when you're taking on salary requires the owner's consent. But I mean, Stearns has pushed the majority of the right moves. A couple, you know, here and there that you wish you wouldn't have let get away. But I think the team, as far as the team culture, I think uh, Craig Council's, you know, has his fingerprints are all over that every day um, in terms of a, a clubhouse, an environment that players want to be in, and um, players talk, and they're aware of where guys like to go, um, where players had a good time, you know, where they enjoyed themselves, and you just continuously hear good things um, from former Brewers about their time in Milwaukee, even, you know, if, if it didn't end well, you know, say it was like Travis Shaw leaving, um, after not not getting his his arbitration salary um, picked up this year, but you know still has positive things to say, Aguilar, all, all guys like that, and and so it's it's a bit of a mixture in terms of who to credit for that, I guess. I I'm not trying to. I live in Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee. I, I'm, I'm proud to, to to live here. It's just it's funny when when the team was in the NLCS two years ago. I can't tell you how many of the the national riders who really quite honestly never had stepped foot into Miller Park during the regular season, how many of them came up and said how happy they were that the Brewers were in the NLCS because it gave them an opportunity to be in Milwaukee and, and, and see games at Miller Park. It's it's this secret that nobody wants to talk about how, how you know it's a really solid destination for, for players and even people from outside the area really enjoy visiting. I feel like we could turn we could turn this into the Milwaukee tourism um, <laughs> edition of of the podcast. But it's a great summer city. Like the winters, I mean, they're kind of rough with the weather, um, and you just don't want to be outside most of the time. But the summers are fantastic. Just not even from a baseball side of things, but like the weather is very good, um, and it's a city, but it's not. It's not huge. It, it feels like a much smaller place, much smaller city feel, um, which I guess it is. So, and and players like coming here, so it's it's working. I guess. What do you think about the whole the, the Ryan Braun aspect of this? Because he's getting a ton of credit, and Yelich openly talked about the fact that he, he he talked to Braun, and now it almost seems like there's going to be the you know the to be cliche the the handing over of the torch of the face of the franchise from Braun to Yelich. It seems like Braun is right in the middle of this whole thing. He does. Um, as a bit of an aside, I saw a quote today from um, from the Brewers clubhouse where Braun said something along the lines of about Yelich's extension, that I won't be making the Hall of Fame, so it's good that the Brewers will have a chance with Yelich, which was kind of interesting to just hear him openly admit that. But aside from that, um, I could see why Braun would suggest, uh, you know, recommend signing the long-term, the long-term deal. I mean, that's a guy that could have made some money in free agency depending on what year it lined up with, because that's a big part of it is, the year you had before you're a free agent. Um, but 
but it, it, it's worked out well. He's on the face of the franchise, eating through turmoil and um, performance-enhancing drug controversy and suspensions and all those things. But he's always been the guy to get the loudest ovations until Christian Yelich comes. And it's also interesting that he recognizes that and he's willing to, like you mentioned, symbolically pass the torch off um, to Yelich as as the face of the Brewers, which is, if it hasn't already happened, now it's happening. All right, before we get you out of here, let's just do a few other things about the team. This won't be 100% uh, Christian Yelich. Uh, first off, the shortstop situation, we see you know, Orlando Arcee has had a really solid spring. We've seen ups and downs from him in his Brewers tenure. It seems like any time he is challenged, he rises to the challenge, but then he kind of regresses back to the mean. I know it's just spring training, and it's still fairly early in spring training. We still have a few weeks left of it. But are you viewing what he's doing in spring training right now as who he is, or do you view it more as another situation of where he was challenged by somebody else being brought in, and he's answering that challenge? So I think I think there's a, there's a few things going on here. I mean, normally you try not to read too much into spring training stats, which I think you should do with Arcee as well. I think he went his fifth fifth homer today mm-hmm. um, in just a few weeks, which is it's been remarkable what he's been doing. And with him, it's there's a little bit more to it. Um, then he's just going out there and hitting. I mean, you see the mechanical tweaks that he's made in his load with his hands and uh, weight distribution and his plane to the ball, and like it, it just looks, it looks different. Um, so, if, so we'll see if it's just a flash in the pan or if he's actually able to translate it because he's had flashes like this. And you think of the playoffs in 2018 and um, stretches of months where he's been a very good hitter with authority and some power. Um, but we just haven't seen it put together for a couple months at a time where he's had the offense and the defense. Um, so, so, but it's, it's thing with, with the Luis Arias injury, we'll see what happens. I mean, Arce might start the year as the starter, and those two battling out is definitely a good spot for the Brewers to be in, in terms of depth. They've got it all over the infield and the outfield, and hopefully um, for the Brewers, one of those guys will will pan out this year. This team is kind of the throw 26 guys into a barrel and the Brewers believe it's going to come out pretty good, even if even if you're not getting 30 home runs and, and 100 RBIs out of third base when you take the entire team and mass it all together, it, it's going to work out. There's a lot of Brewers fans that are very worried about that. Some maybe worried is the nicest way to say it. Uh, there's others who fully believe that, yeah, this is going to work. They know what they're doing. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, where, especially on the infield, where outside of Keston here at second base, you don't totally know what you're going to get in any given position. Where do you stand on that right now? Um, in the, infield, the first thing that comes to my mind with the infield is the defense is a, is a bit of a concern for me. I mean, outside of a shortstop, you're not entirely sure you're going to have a great infield, especially if Ryan Braun is playing first base. You have no idea how that's going to go. Um, but I do think that that you the sum is going to be greater than the sum of the parts or whatever, however you say that that phrase, is that I think there's something that if you're you know trying to project – project how the infield is going to do it, how the team's going to do. Um, there's there's something about about the Brewers infield in specific that you can't fully account for, whether it's the fact that they're going to try to ride guys that are hot, um, put them in favorable matchups, um, or just, you know, there's still 
throwing things at a wall and figuring out what sticks, you know, this something's going to stick. So um, with that depth, they've afforded themselves just a bunch of chances at, at banking on someone to have a good year. We kind of did the legit or not legit on Orlando Arcia. Let's do the exact same thing on Corbin Burns. Oh, I'm all the way in on Corbin Burns. I, I always have been. Um, which I think is what made last year so incredibly difficult to watch when you when you see the stuff um, and you see the ability and you have seen the ability too on the mound in, in, at the end of 2018 and then you're just wondering why he's pitching the way he is with fastballs down he's not using his slider and he's got like no other secondary pitches aside from that um, and now I see him throwing. 94 mile an hour slider and you know, pitching up in the zone and it just looks like he has figured some more stuff out which is kind of what you're hoping the, you know, hoping the light would would turn on with him we'll see like like with like with Arcia we'll see how it turns out but um, I think Corbin Burns will the Brewers will, will need him to be good if they are going to be good non-brewers question are you are you all in on the badgers going into the big 10 tournament here are you great oh, guard man. coach they of the have, year in the league yeah. what's what's say they, you the badgers do the badgers have a time every year where they just suck you in and they've done it and i am all the way in and i'll admit to being a little skeptical of great guard at a certain point you know, you're thinking about a month and a half ago if they don't turn this around is he going to still be the, the coach next year? And then they, of course, turn it around, win eight straight. So um, they're, they're kind of like the Brewers in a way, where they they just have a bunch of guys that that are solid players and they play well together. Look at you bringing a non-Brewers question, bringing it back there to the Brewers on Brewers yeah, podcast. You are a uh, inter uh, interviewee pro. All right, so Rich People Conversations is the newsletter. Now, if people go to brewersandtwins.substack.com, they'll be able to see why it's called that. But for people who have not been there, explain the title. Right. So um, one of the one of the ties between the Brewers and Twins is one beloved Carlos Gomez, although he's probably much more beloved in one of those cities than than the other. Um, but but anyway, we, the the guys that right, we loved Carlos Gomez growing up, and so um, we wanted to name it something after him, something a little quirky. And there was a quote when he was on the Sports Illustrated cover, I believe Ryan Braun said it, and he said that now that Carlos Gomez has signed his new deal, his new extension, he's been he's been talking about like potassium, how much potassium certain fruits have, and he learned this because he Googled rich people conversation. So there you have it. Solid. Uh, bonus question, Are you? Uh, do you sleep at all as you move towards uh, state basketball? Uh, no. I think I was working until like 2, 2.30 last night, plus you had the daylight switch. And so today has been a little rough, but um, it's fun. It is fun. And you still found time for this podcast interview, which is fantastic. Uh, I encourage people to uh, subscribe to the newsletter, follow you on Twitter uh, at C-Y-R-T-H-O-G-G. That's not actually how he spells his first name, but it is his Twitter handle, C-Y-R-T-H-O-G-G. Kurt, appreciate the time, and we will do this again, hopefully. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. 
Kurt Hogue joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. As we do start to wrap things up on this week's edition, here's what's going to be coming up this week for the crew. Uh, Monday, they are going to match up against the Mariners. That's going to be a night game, uh, one of the few night games they're going to play over the course of Cactus League play. Uh, They are going to match up against the Royals coming up on Tuesday. They'll play the Dodgers on Wednesday. Split squad games coming up on Thursday as uh, they'll match up uh, against the Rockies in Maryvale. They also have a game against the Diamondbacks that day. And then coming up this weekend, Indians on Saturday, the A's on Saturday, and the Angels coming up on Sunday. As far as the Brewers broadcast schedule and where you can uh, find games this upcoming week, these are the games that are going to be uh, broadcast coming up. Uh, Tuesday, the game against Kansas City, that game will be on WTMJ in fact, all games this week on WTMJ. We uh, aired a bunch of games on uh, WTMJ's sister station, 94.5 ESPN. Uh, the portion of the spring training schedule airing on uh, 94.5 ESPN wrapped up on Sunday against the Angels. So everything on WTMJ moving forward. Tuesday against Kansas City with the 255 broadcast. Wednesday against the Dodgers, the 755 broadcast time for that one. Uh, Saturday against Oakland, that'll be a 255 broadcast. And Sunday against the Angels, that is going to be a 3 o'clock broadcast. And that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being tuned in. We look forward to talking to you again next week as we continue to get closer and closer and closer. Three weeks or so until the start of Brewers baseball for real as they're going to open up the regular season. If you can't believe it, it's going to be coming up on Thursday, March 26th when they have their home opener against the Chicago Cubs, and we are getting oh so close to that matchup. Thanks again to my guest, uh, Kurt Hogue. We will talk to you again next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.